It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for checking out the Locked On Wizards show. Joined by one of my co-hosts, Arthur Renault. Uh, what's going on, Arthur? What's up, man? I'm excited to hear uh, your thoughts on Becca and I's previous episode about the White Howard because I know we have we all have different opinions. So very excited to hear what you have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I missed that pod. It's interesting. It was fun to listen to that episode. Um, I think all three of us are pretty optimistic. It's it's kind of interesting that so many people have so many they have so many negative things to say about. Dwight Howard, but when you, like, Becca was at the press conference, and we got, you know, on the episode, of course, you guys got her firsthand impressions, but Arthur, me and you, just being friends with Becca, we got to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at, like, what she thought about Dwight, like, how was he kind of controlling the room, what did he, what were the impressions that she got from him, and... He's such a goofy guy. He's really funny. I feel like he's really relatable. And, you know, personally, I thought he was, like, super charming in that press conference. I kind of feel like he nailed it. How do you have a better presser than what he had? And, and like, to do the whole, like, grain of salt thing, yes, he's done this before. It's not the first time he said he wanted to retire with the team. It's not the first time he's charmed the media and the fan base when he's coming to a new team in a new city. But with all of that being said, none of the negative backlash that's about Dwight Howard has ever been an egregious, overly emotional thing in the locker room. It's more been along the lines of, he's too goofy. He likes to, he likes to joke too often. He's not really serious enough. So I don't. No one can sit here and tell me that he's a bad person. It, it, it's going to come down to like the people in the locker room, the personalities in the locker room, how they mesh with each other, and kind of to throw it to you here, Arthur. John Wall recently said, and I quote: "The most important thing with him coming to our team is for me to understand his personality and to understand when he jokes." And to understand when he's got humor, and I'll get that. I'll understand that. 
real quick before we kind of jump into the main topic here, Arthur. Now that you've had time to digest it and kind of give it a couple days, what do you think about Dwight's presser? And what do you think about what John Wall said about kind of like from a psychological standpoint, understanding Dwight and trying, you know, from a, from a human aspect, like trying to understand him and trying to read him. Uh, like that kind of impressed me about John specifically. Yeah, starting off from that, I mean, that's basically John assuming a leadership role and like the veteran presence that, you know, up until these last couple of years, we've always had to have someone like Nene or, you know, Sam Cassell to kind of be there to be like the voice of reason. But if John is going to take it upon himself to make sure that the White Howard is kind of handled, you know, with his sarcasm, with his jokes, I feel like that's, again, adding another layer to how else could you have wanted this presser and everything to go? Because everything pretty much is working out, even though it's obviously, like what you said, it's all fluff until, you know, it comes down to actually work and the games are played. But then again, like, we have time to get there. So in the meantime... Yeah, know, man, and the difference... The, the major difference to me between the other press conferences... I went back, I listened to each and every one of them. And, like, with almost every team that he was going to, and even even as, even as recent as the Charlotte Hornets one, he would say something along the lines of, like, I'm ready to come in here and kind of lead this team and carry the load. He didn't mention that even one time in context with the Wizards. Because I think, and, and this is what I'm hope I'm hopeful about, you know, there's, there's no way to know what's going to happen. Obviously, we're just speculating, but, you know, the history is way worse than what the potential outcome is when you, when you kind of, like, do a balancing act here and you're trying to weigh the pros and the cons. But the Wizards are taking a flyer on him. What he said at the presser, specifically about, I just want to be here and do what the team wants and be ready to win. I, I just want to set screens. I just want to run to the rim really hard, catch lobs from John. He's, he said in a couple of interviews, he's had visions. <laughs> he said he's had visions in his dreams of like him setting a screen for John and John going to the rim to dunk it, or, or he sets a hard screen and then he rolls really hard to the rim and John just throws a lob to him. Or maybe he throws a, John throws a pass to Dwight and then the double comes, and then Dwight tosses it out to Bradley Beal for a wide-open corner three. He literally went into detail about how him and John had talked specifically about what, specifically what the three of them, him, John, and Brad, could do together and kind of how he, what kind of role he would be. And for the first time, I think, ever, he's not coming in as some alpha. He's not coming in as the the number one guy, the number two guy, he's not even the number three guy here. He's coming in as like the fourth option and he's just going to be the hard hat, let me go to work, let me be the janitor and clean everything up type of guy. And I think that's going to be huge for this team's ceiling this year. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the main differences between him, between Dwight Howard and Gortat. Gortat wanted his touches 
in the post, he wanted to be involved on the offense. He contemplated, you know, exploring his options to go to a team where he might have a bigger role. But even though, again, it's all just talk until the games are played, Dwight Howard mentioned, like, someone asked directly what, you know, his thoughts were about Gortat saying, like, the small ball era is, like, weak and, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. And Howard basically said Gortat can think what he wants, but he's actually willing to accept whatever role that the Wizards put him in. Because one of the main complaints Gortat has always had with us is how he doesn't play fourth quarters. So there has been, in the center position, a distraction for a few years since Gortat's been here. So I don't understand why people are making such a big deal about Dwight Howard when there's been multiple drama in D.C. at the center position. First with Nene, then with Gortat, and... Now we have Dwight Howard, but if he is saying he's willing to do whatever it takes to win, and that might include some did not plays in the fourth quarter, coach's decision, then sign me up for it, because that's an upgrade from what we were used to the last few years. Arthur, that people are talking about, maybe it's not going to work, it's all lip service, I'm not buying it. You, You look at Dwight Howard... He was dominant, one of the best players in the in the NBA's history, if we're being honest. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what. In Orlando, took that team to the finals. Um, he, was, he was such a dominant center with the way they had the system set up with basically four out and then a dominant five. So if he got doubled, they'd pass it out to shooters, and they had people like I mean, Jimmy or Nelson on that team, Hito Turgaloo, they had Rashad Lewis, former Wizard. They were a great team, and he took them to the finals. They were pretty close um, to Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. He then went to an L.A. team, and it didn't work out. It was supposed to be him and Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant, and they were going to be the big three, and they were going to dominate the West. It was a bunch of crap. Steve Nash was well past his prime, way beyond his two MVP awards that he won in Phoenix. Um, He was injured for most of that year. He was worn down, kind of a broken-down version of his former self. And it basically led to the scenario where Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant were clashing with each other, who was the alpha, who was the one, who was the two. And and as you know, Arthur, like in L.A., no one's picking anyone over Kobe. Yeah. yeah. Even, LeBron. Even LeBron, yeah. So that didn't work out, right? And then what? He goes to Houston. And then I guess to wrap up this segment, Arthur, I'm going to ask you, I guess the question's going to be, you got a guy, one of the best players to ever play at the center position, in Dwight Howard, number number one overall pick out of high school for the Orlando, Orlando Magic, the second coming of Shaquille O'Neal, but he's a little bit slimmer, he's a little bit more lean, he's, a, he's way more explosive, he's, mo- he's more of an athlete. He goes to L.A., it doesn't work out. He goes to Houston. They get to the Western Conference Finals, but in the overall picture of things and with the system that the team's doing long-term, it doesn't work out. He goes to Atlanta, 
super mediocre talent. The best player on the team is a 30-plus-year-old Paul Millsap. Second best player is a kind of average-ish. Dennis Schroeder doesn't work out. Goes to Charlotte, really mediocre team. Best player by far is Kimba Walker. Doesn't work out. Arthur, why is it going to work out here in Washington, D.C. with a John Wall and with a Bradley Beal? And I guess you could throw in an auto porter. Why is it going to work here when for the last four years it hasn't worked anywhere else? It's going to work out because, as Scott Brooks mentioned in that presser, this is the first time that Dwight Howard is playing with two other all-stars. And although, like, Dwight Howard has definitely played with Hall of Famers and, like, high-caliber players in the league, it's never been much more than, you know, an individual that he was joining. But this team, he's, as you mentioned, he's not coming in as, okay, I'm ready to, like, lead this team to the NBA Finals. He says he's coming in to support and do whatever it takes to win. So he's in the role-player mindset, which is perfect for the Wizards because that's one less ego that they need to feed. And it's going to work out here because there's a pass-first point guard that relies on pick-and-roll. There's two really good three-point shooters that are going to be on the court at all times with him. And it's a roster that just went through probably its best offseason and definitely the John Wall era, but the cards are set. Everything is set up for Dwight Howard to be successful. Now it's just up to him to make sure that he can tame his ego and his personality and make it all work. It's really interesting to think about how this season could play out because there's only really two scenarios. and You've kind of mentioned this before with Becca and with me. It's either going to be an insanely successful season for the Washington Wizards because of the talent that they have on paper. Or it's not going to work out at all because the egos will get in the way. And I think when some of the things that you mentioned, like Dwight Howard buying into the system, realizing where he's at in his career, realizing what his standing is going to be on a team that already has two all-stars in their prime, something not me, not you have just mentioned, but also like Scott Brooks, Ernie Grunfeld. Like, these are things that they talked about with Dwight's camp before he even came here, is this is how we think he'll fit. This is how we see his role. What do you guys think? And then both parties agreed. And then at the presser, you had Dwight Howard saying things like, yeah, I have visions of me setting a really hard screen on John's defender and then rolling to the rim and either, and and then he mentioned like three different scenarios. Like to me, I think you have a player and, and we kind of, me and you kind of talked about this last week, but I think context matters, team context, I think personnel and I think the the type of position that Dwight Howard finds himself in at this point in his career, I don't think he is any longer at a point where he sees himself as the primary number one option. And part of that, a huge part of that, led him to choose to come to Washington, D.C. 
because of the talent, because of the pass first sort of play style of John Wall, and then also because of like the the t- all of the shooters that are going to be around him. Let's not forget Dwight Howard in Orlando found himself in a system where he was kind of the focal point, but out of the post he would find three-point shooters constantly. It was basically one in and four out. And and you kind of admire, I mean, from a basketball point of view, I kind of like what Ernie and what Scott are trying to put together here. It's almost like they're trying to recreate kind of what they had, what, what Dwight had going on in Orlando in his prime with a ton of shooters around him, plus... Someone like John Wall, who Dwight Howard has never had. He's never had anyone remotely like that at the point guard position. The best point guard Dwight Howard has ever played with healthy was Jameer Nelson. So yeah, man, I, uh, I, I hope, obviously as a Wizards fan, I hope it works out this season. I think the ceiling for this team is super high, and I think like a lot of, not, not a lot, but like a few people have said, obviously me, you, and Becca, but also a lot of people, like a lot of people that are NBA journalists and analysts, there's quite a few people, there's kind of like this small little bandwagon forming to include Andrew Sharp <laughs> that is uh, kind of thinks this ceiling on this team is way higher than people are giving it credit for. Uh, you know, the mainstream media and mainstream NBA fans might be sleeping on this team pretty hard right now, so... I hope that's the case. I'm really excited for the season to start. I can't wait to see just game one of the regular season with, you know, Wall, Beal, Otto, Oubre, Keith, Dwight. Need to see it. So, but anyway, let's take a quick break. Um, We'll hear from our sponsors real quick. On the flip side, guys, when we get back, uh, we're going to kind of talk about loyalty. And specifically, what if John Wall were to get traded? Maybe this season, maybe next season, to a contender or something, and maybe the season doesn't work out, and the Wizards kind of want to hit the eject button on contending. Is there any loyalty even left in the NBA after the DeMar DeRozan fiasco, the Kawhi Leonard trade? Um, Even like when you think about it post-Isaiah Thomas from the Celtics, is loyalty a thing anymore? And could it happen to John Wall? We'll talk about that right after this. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Guys, thank you for checking out the Lock On Wizard show. Don't forget, no matter who your favorite team is, go to any search engine that you use, type in Locked On Your Team, and you'll find local experts with insight and opinion that matters to you. No matter who your favorite team is, no matter what team you love, keep it locked in. Arthur, we need to wrap this episode up with... Not a, um, I don't think it's a, I don't, I don't really think it's controversial because I think with the way the NBA is, is shaped in this day and age, loyalty is not really as big of, of a factor. Um, I think maybe Dirk Nowitzki is the last of his, of his breed, so to speak. When you look at a team, they'll sign a player for a ton of money. And since the way the contracts are shaped, always hold over like a four or five year period of time. I don't know if owners even feel bad anymore trading players to other cities and shipping them away. Sometimes, like in Kawhi Leonard's case, to other countries, if you're, you know, pop, you're sitting there going, well, whatever, he's still making a ton of money. Who, who cares? He's still like killing it. There's no guilt in there. There's no remorse. And I, and I guess... To transition here, do you think something like what happened with DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard and looking back, Isaiah Thomas, even though he didn't have sustained success in Boston, but Isaiah Thomas did sacrifice a lot for that team, for the Boston Celtics, that someone like John Wall could be traded? Like, let's say, let me give you a hypothetical. This season doesn't work out. It's an absolute nightmare. It blows up in the face of Ernie Grunfeld and Ted Leonsis. Do you see a scenario where instead of tweaking things and keeping John Wall, and maybe you send out Beal and you send out all the other young assets and draft picks and you kind of try to retweak the team and rebuild around John Wall again, do you see a scenario where they actually just trade... John Wall. So, funny enough, uh, Noah, Noah Getzel, who used to be the host of this awesome podcast, me and him are in the same uh, group chat with some Wizards Extra folks, and there was a little bit of a heated argument in terms of how easily Noah and some other people in the group were so down to trade John Wall if that exact scenario happened that you just mentioned. And I just, I don't know. I feel like if the Wizards were to trade away John Wall because, you know, things aren't working out, I feel like John becomes the scapegoat and Ernie keeps his job and you basically put a big black mark on your franchise as a team with a horrible owner and a terrible GM and an organization that doesn't care about their own players when John has had a million chances to leave and time and time and again chooses to be here, chooses to 
you know, obviously there's money involved, but it's just incredible to me how people are so easily like, okay, well, if it doesn't work out by the All-Star break, Wizards are 10 games under 500, blow it up, train John Wall, and roll out Bradley Beal and Otto Porter to run the show. And to me, like, I'm pretty sure that might end my fandom. And it's not because I'm a John Wall fanboy, but it's more because what have the Wizards ever done to keep me around as a fan, aside, you know, raise ticket prices and keep around incompetent GMs, you know? So the loyalty thing with John Wall is very interesting because aside from, you know, the value that he could bring, his whole contract extension, you know, this year it's $19 million. We can bring in some less less amount of talent, less amount of money compared to next year if we try to trade him. I, I just don't. I don't know. I'd rather trade Bradley Beal and Otto Porter and then just hang on to Wall. I don't know, but I, I feel like I might be the minority in this one. I don't know what you think, though. I don't think you're the minority at all. Um, I feel like the majority of Wizards fans want John Wall. They kind of pull a Dirk Nowitzki, right? Being that guy who finishes his career with the same team that he started with, um, hopefully, God, if we could, you know, ever get to a point where John Wall is on that same level as Dirk, where he brought a finals to this city, even even just a single one, and it would be totally worth everything that's ever happened. Just like, and then after that, kind of just rewarding him, right? Like post post finals, hypothetically, just rewarding John Wall with the contracts. You know, two years, three years, single years, kind of like what the Mavericks are doing with Dirk right now. Um, almost like legacy contracts. And I think with when you mentioned trading Bradley Beal, I do like I agree with that. I think for Bradley Beal, if you if you're talking about John Wall and Bradley Beal as assets, I think because of age. And because of when you take the future into account and you look at durability, both have had injury problems in the in the past, but I think that Bradley Beal is a more promising asset, And I, even though John Wall is a much better player overall. So if you're going to trade anyone, I think it would be Bradley Beal. I think it would be Kelly Oubre. I think it would be Otto Porter. I think it would be Tomas Sadaransky. I think it would be these young promising assets and you can kind of retweak and rebuild around John Wall I would love it I would love nothing more than the ownership I don't want to say Ernie because I kind of want Ernie to just go you know I just I want him out of here to be able to have a group you know when it comes down to ownership and the general manager kind of both on the same page and go okay Look at what this guy has done for the franchise. Look at the records he's broken as an individual player for this franchise. And I guess for lack of a better term, you're kind of cherishing a player who the Wizards haven't had since the 70s. And what I mean by that is someone who's, you know, from from the franchise's perspective, an all-timer. Someone who's going to break records. Someone who's going to shatter, you know, when it comes to John Wall, shatter the assist, the points, the blocks, the rebounds at the point guard position. He's going to own all of those. By the time he's everything is said and done, it's going to be his. And there's no question, even now, if he were to retire tomorrow, his jersey would be hung this upcoming season. So 
I think me and you were on the same page, Arthur, as far as I think that going forward, if any moves were to happen, if the team was to implode, if they were going to move a ton of pieces to try and get some pieces back for the future, if anything, hopefully, the remaining player on the roster would be John Wall. It wouldn't be a Toronto scenario where DeMar DeRozan is shipped out. It wouldn't be a San Antonio scenario where Kawhi is sent out of the country. I I kind of agree with you, and I guess to close this episode, give me two takes. Give me the successful take, and then after that, what's the basement? What's the catastrophe? What's the absolute nightmare of a season you know leading up to the trade deadline go ahead and go i think the ceiling is an eastern conference finals appearance and once you get to the eastern conference finals you know at that point if we make it there that probably means that our depth and all that worked out really well and hopefully john brad and Otto and dwight howard are still managing and able to play like hard fought minutes anything can happen once we get to the eastern conference finals because for the first time ever lebron isn't going to be there waiting and then i think the worst case scenario i honestly don't think that the wizards would trade away any of their players this year i don't think ted has ever shown anything that he'd be willing to do that i think the bottom isn't as bad as it seems because the bottom for me is the Wizards make it to the playoffs and they get bounced in the first round. They lose Dwight Howard. They lose Kelly Oubre. And then hopefully that finally means that we lose Ernie Grunfeld and the new GM comes in and does, you know, whatever that GM has visions of doing, whether that's trading John, trading Brad, trading Otto, and just starting over. I think that's that's a bottom that most people would probably be okay with. You know, it's either an Eastern Conference Finals or Ernie Grunfeld gets fired. So it's kind of like a win-win in a weird situation. Yeah, it's a win-win for the most part. I think it'd be... I think as Wizards fans, for as long as we have been Wizards fans and for as long as a lot of our listeners have been Wizards fans, it would be really, really hard to let go of the John Wall, Bradley Beal era. Um, And I guess when I say that, I mean, it would be difficult to acknowledge that they failed. Because, and I know a lot of the national media doesn't understand it, what we mean when we say something like that. But to fans of this team that have been fans since we drafted John Wall, since we drafted Bradley Beal, and and I guess really the expectation of fans of those two players pretty much from the outset has been one day, hopefully, these two are going to win a championship for Washington, D.C. Because that's how talented they are. That's how talented they are. That's how good they are. That's how skilled they are. And, uh... A lot of the country doesn't perceive them that way, but I know 
from a fan's perspective in this city, that's kind of what the expectation is. And if this team doesn't ever do that, I think over time, yeah, we're going to appreciate John Wall. I think Bradley Beal's so young, he could have an insanely amazing career outside of D.C. It's going to be kind of disappointing if by the end of everything, and, and kind of to wrap up here, Arthur, do you agree with that assessment? If by the end of everything with the John Wall era, if there's no championship, do you think John Wall has kind of failed us? I think we would have failed John Wall at that point because he only had one all-star to play with in his entire career here, and he's going to take the majority of the wrath for it, even though some of it will be deserved, obviously, if he's coasting against under 500 teams and his defense is very, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. But, yeah, I mean... It, they would be failures, especially for the national media. Yeah, I kind of agree because I think I think when you look at John Wall, obviously when you rank him in the NBA today, he's probably like top ten player, top fifteen depending on who you ask. Um, but when you look at the level of talent that he possesses and the skill set that he possesses and what he's capable of at the highest level of play. He's one of the best players that the NBA has seen within the last decade. And I th- and I think to have that as the cornerstone of a franchise and to not achieve that level of success that's expected with that kind of talent, it would be tough, man. It'd be tough to swallow. So this seems like the last hurrah right here this season. This is it. You've got the center you've wanted. Even if he's 32, he's still a freak. Just he won the genetic lotto. He's a freak athlete. You've got a great shooting guard in Bradley Beal, who's young. You've got a great small forward in Otto Porter, who's young. And then at the four, you've got a flex position where you can play Keefe, you can play Kelly Oubre, you can play Jeff Green. There's really no excuses going into this year. So... This is kind of the season with LeBron James leaving to go to the West. This is it right here. This is the opportunity. It's right in front of the Washington Wizards. They need to get serious about it and take hold of what's in front of them. So I guess we'll see, Arthur. I don't know, man. I'm excited, just like you are, just like Becca is. I'm excited for the season to start. But guys... Thank you for checking out the Lockdown Wizard Show. Don't forget to follow the show. You can find us on Twitter at Lockdown Wizards Arthur, at District Mamba. Becca, you can find Becca at Becca MVP. And of course, you can find myself at the real EN underscore E. Arthur, thanks for joining me, man. All right, guys. We will catch you next
Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.